Open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 1. We're continuing in our series called Unconditional. And the point of this series is for us to know the gifts that Jesus has purchased for us that are indiscriminate of anything that you do, your merit, your own works. When you step into the kingdom of God, there are unconditional gifts that he gives you as his child. It's your birthright. It's your inheritance. But far too many people don't understand what he has done for us. Today, we're talking on this incredible topic entitled Unconditional Victory. Say victory. Do you know that in Jesus, you have victory? I turned on the TV two weeks ago and was actually in shock because I'm watching my favorite college football team. It's my alma mater, Baylor University, the Baylor Bears. <laughs> Sick them. And that's what, that's what you do. You, you, you like growl. Sick them, Bears. And um, the stadium was like half, half empty. And in these last years, in about this last decade, Baylor built this beautiful new stadium on the river, and they've been winning. They've, in fact, been in the top 10, which is just crazy. They had a Heisman Trophy winner, uh, Robert Griffin III, RG3. Uh, and Waco, Texas, has become like this destination because of the Magnolia Factor with Chip and Joanna Gaines. So I'm like, what is going on? And I asked my son, who's watching it with me, he goes, Dad, they lost their first game to this very mediocre team. And so everyone just thinks they're going to have a losing record this season. And it reminded me of a sad but, but true phenomenon that people don't like to be on a losing team. Humans just don't like to be on a losing team. And, and boy, did I see that last season as both of my boys were playing football and, and no one was showing up. And now that they're winning, everyone's showing up. And in some ways, I'm really excited. I'm like, this is so cool. In some ways, I'm looking like judging all the fans going, where were you last year? It's it's innate in humans to not want to be a part of a losing team. And therefore, the, the, the several years in the past when we experienced COVID and the, the severe racial pain in our nation and incredible political divide and economic recession, we started seeing churches really dwindle. And, and across America, people leaving Christianity. It was like, hey, we're on a losing team, and, and, and persecution has r- risen up, and, 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 and so many things that are antithetical to our faith, and, and, and your, your, your feeling is so many were actually walking away and saying, I'm not even a, a Christian anymore, and it was so painful. And let me just pause that for a second, because let me ask you a question. Any readers in the room like you like to read? Okay, oh, that, that's, a, that's a lot of people, except on this side. <laughs> So is there like a sign on the door? Non-readers, please move right. Um, who likes movies? Would you raise your hand? Oh, okay, that's everyone. Um, l- let me tell you how to have a successful novel. Or let me tell you basically every plot of every successful movie. Uh, number one, introduction of characters. Introduction of lovable characters. We love the protagonists. And then, number two, a crisis, a challenge, an adversity. Okay, then number three, you really want to grip people, make it look impossible. There's, this is hopeless. It's against all odds. And then the climax of every movie, every great novel, 
uh, against all odds, in the face of adversity, in impossibility, the protagonists overcome. That, that, is, that is the storyline of every superhero movie. In case you miss one, that's what's going to happen. Uh, why, why do we love that storyline? Why does it sell over and over again? Why do we watch it every week and read it continuously? It's because it's actually the biblical narrative. That's actually the story of the Bible. Time and time again, the people of God have their backs up against a wall, whether it's forced up against a, a Red Sea with a, 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 an army that's 10 times bigger about to destroy them, whether it's David and his mighty men being hunted by a massive uh, army and a tyrannical king, Saul, whether it's, it's Esther and her people about to be killed, a, a genocide going on over and over and over again. That's the story of the Bible. But what happens is we find out that our God is a God of victory. Our God always wins. The problem for many of us Christians is we, you'd never do this. You're never reading a novel and you get to the, 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 the biggest challenge. You get to the adversity. You get to the impossibility and you go, that's it. I'm done. I don't need this. I don't need this problem. And you put down the book and you walk away. You never stop the movie, right, when the, when the superhero is getting beat up, right? No, you got to keep watching it. But that's what so many of us Christians have done is we stop reading the book. We don't read to the end. And that's what I love about what we're going to read this morning in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 1, first of all, let me just set the scene. What is the book of Revelation? Because so many people don't read it. It says this, the revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation of This is actually, so many people are like, I'm not going to read the book of Revelation because it's all about like horns and killer locusts and famines. And no, the, the main point of the book is the hero, Jesus Christ. So read this book to know Jesus Christ. Revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. Now, here's the crazy thing about being a Christian is like for those cheaters in the room that take a book and they're like, I'm going to read the end because I don't like surprises. Well, turns out that was God's idea. He's like, here's the book. Here's how it's going to already end. So you don't have to be surprised. The problem is, is we don't read the book. The problem is that we don't remind ourselves of the end. So what's the end? He made it known. So God wants you to know the end. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one. Say blessed. Blessed, blessed is the one who reads. Say reads. reads. Okay, if you don't read books, just please just read one book the Bible. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear. So even if you don't read, you're going to be blessed today, because I'm making you hear. And who keeps what is written in it, for the time is near. The time is near. So now let me move and do a huge spoiler, because today we're talking about unconditional victory, unconditional victory. So let me read to you this powerful verse in Revelation 17, because I want to know, I want you to know who has the victory. They will wage war against the lamb. 
If you feel like there's a war against you today, then you're absolutely right. That's the story of the Bible. There's Satan, there's his demons, there are people that are used by him. In the Bible, there's going to be all of these countries, actually, all these forces that come to destroy the people of God. And there's the enemy coming to destroy them. They will wage war against the Lamb. Who is the Lamb, church? Jesus, okay? Throughout the Bible, Jesus is known as the Lamb. When Jesus shows up on the scene and the Jordan River, John the Baptist, that last prophet, says, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb. So Jesus is the Lamb. So what we know is there's actually all these forces that come to wage war against the Lamb. But watch what happens next. But the Lamb will triumph. Say triumph. The Lamb We'll triumph. Jesus wins. Let me just tell you that again. Jesus wins. I can tell you who wins. Okay, if, if I could tell you the winning team uh, uh, of every football game today, someone could be really rich because right? you could bet on it. I, I, I want to tell you Bet something a lot more valuable than money on this. Bet your life that you know the winning team. Because here's the winning team, but the lamb will triumph over them because he is the Lord of lords and the king of kings, and with him will be his called and chosen and faithful followers. Jesus said in his win, you win. You're his chosen and called and faithful followers. Who wins? You win. You're on the winning team. There's two wars that you're going to win. So point number one, I only have two today. It's a miracle. I only have two points. <laughs> point number... <laughs> Someone just said, praise God. <laughs> and through the power of Christ, I forgive whoever said that. <laughs> number one. You have unconditional victory personally. You have unconditional victory perfect, uh, personally. Why? Because the lamb was slain. Because the lamb was slain. The Bible says this, that the wages of sin is death. The Bible says all we like sheep have gone astray each to his own way. It means we've all chosen our own path. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. So we all deserve to die. We all deserve to go to a place called hell and suffer forever. Jesus talked more about hell than heaven, not because he likes hell. It's because he was warning his followers because he wants no one. He wants no one on earth to go to hell. We deserve it, but that's why Jesus died. So it was foreshadowed since the beginning of time. So you remember in Genesis, God puts Adam and Eve in the garden and they're walking with him and they have everything provided. And he says, just don't do this one thing. Don't eat from the knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what do they do? They go and choose that. And so what happens? They realize their eyes are opened to, to good and evil. And they all of a sudden they realize they're naked. And so what does God do? They, they try to sow they, in their own strength. They try to put little fig leaves over themselves. I'm sure that was very itchy. And what does God do? He kills a lamb and he covers them with the skins. It's prophetic of the lamb that was slain. 
And then what we see is in the book of Exodus, the, the children of Israel are enslaved in Egypt. And so God starts sending these plagues. And then the last plague, which is the most intense plague, is the plague of the firstborn. The angel of death is going to come through and kill the firstborn in every home. That's what they deserve. They had drifted away. And the scripture says very clearly in Ezekiel that they were serving other gods. And so both Egyptian firstborn and Israelite firstborn are going to be killed And then what does God say? He says, take a lamb, a pure and spotless lamb, and sacrifice it and put the blood over the doorpost. And when the the angel of death comes, he will see the blood over the doorpost and he will what? Pass over. And so even to this day, the Israelites, the Jewish people, they celebrate Passover where their sins were forgiven, not because of something they did, but because they believed in God's word. They believed in the blood of the lamb shed for their sins. And then what do you see? You see the priests over and over again sacrificing a lamb, slaughtering a lamb and saying that lamb is dying in your place. And then Jesus shows up. John the Baptist says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of of the world. So when Jesus died on the cross, when he hung there, when his hands were pierced, his, his feet were pierced, his side was pierced, his back was scourged, he was bleeding for us. The Bible says he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we could die to sin. He's the lamb that was slain to forgive you. But do you know that that's not all that happened on the cross? I mean, that would be enough, right? That you would be purchased and that you would not have to pay for your sins forever in hell. But do you know he did so much more? Isaiah 53, the prophet Isaiah, looking towards the cross, starts explaining what the lamb did for us when he was slain, the lamb of God, Jesus. And let's look at that for a minute. Isaiah 53. It says this, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Do you know that Jesus purchased your ultimate victory, not just forgiveness? There's never been a generation where suicide is more prevalent Why? Because of the extreme pain that people are going through in this challenging world. Do you know that you cannot carry your own pain? Do you know that when Jesus died on the cross, Jesus actually comes and it says this, he has borne our griefs. He has borne our griefs. There is so much grief in this life that the the, the grief I have felt when my loved ones have died. And I have had numerous people that have died way too early. The grief that you experience from that, it's too much for you. The grief that people have from their parents getting divorced, the grief that people have from the things that have been done to them, it is too much. But you have a Savior who will actually not just forgive your sins. That is amazing. But he also, he carries. He he bore, he You can't carry it, but what if someone could someday come and say, I actually will carry that for you and and bear that grief on his shoulders? It says this, and carried our sorrows. Carried our sorrows. When, when, When 
Not once but twice my mom called with severe cancer. The sorrow I felt when my precious family members are going through divorce, the sorrow I felt. When your kids get rejected, the sorrow you feel. When your friends betray you and walk away, the sorrow that you feel. But do you understand people of God? You don't have to carry it alone. I talk continually about my, my prayer walks in the morning because I'll, I'll, after I'll read the Bible, I'll go on a prayer walk every morning. And on my prayer walk, I've told you, I, I've constructed a little cross from stones. And there's nothing magical about it. It's just a symbol for me to remember. But every day, I come and I get on my knees and I put my hands on those rocks and I just let the sorrows leave me. I say them out loud. I say, God, I can't carry it. The pain today, I thank you that you say you will carry it. And, and, and just like sweat just kind of leaves you, I, I picture those grease and those sorrows just pouring out of me. I know that's kind of gross, but I, I picture it just leaving me, going out of my body onto the cross. There is no grief that he cannot bear for you. There is no sorrow that he cannot carry for you. You were not meant to carry them alone. And, and, the, and the answer isn't just medicating your pain. The answer is not just one more Instagram post, one more movie, one more, one more drink, one more fish taco, one more. Yeah. Let him Try it. Let it go. Give it to him. It is the way you will make it. Your soul, the human soul is not designed to carry the grief and the pain that we are carrying in this generation. But you have one who will bear it for you. But let's keep going. We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Why? He was taking, why was the cross so gruesome? Because he was taking the punishment for yours and my sin. But watch this next part. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity. So many times we think, well, yes, all of a sudden, Jesus paid for that. But I was talking to a young man this, this past week, and, and so we, we have this. Take this card for a second. We have Baptism Sunday coming up. So take, take this card, please. Uh, we really, we don't need them to stay here. We have enough cards. Um, this is why baptism is so important, because it's the first act of obedience once you are saved. And one of the things that, 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 that this guard says is it's a, uh, it's a picture of your spiritual transformation. Our old life, before Jesus is buried and we're lowered into the water, as we're pulled out of the water, we rise to a new life empowered by the Holy Spirit. Uh, baptism is not something that you attain. Baptism is not something that you deserve. So I'm talking to this young man, and I, he had given his life uh, to the Lord in the past few months, and I said, hey, uh, your next step is baptism. And he said, oh, I can't get baptized uh, because I, it's like sometimes I forget that I belong to Jesus and I go back to sin. And so I don't deserve it. I said, exactly. <laughs> you don't deserve it. You don't deserve salvation, and baptism is a symbol of you being saved. So you don't have to attain some level of holiness. It's showing what God has done for you, not what you're, you've done for him. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
So sign up and get baptized if you've given your life to Jesus. This is, you get, in the Bible, they get saved that day or the next day. They get baptized. You don't need to, to wait, and it's your next act of obedience. But here, here's the point. Uh, why? We, we, we know about the sins, but then why does it say he's pierced for our transgressions? And then why does it say he's crushed for our iniquities? Um, when you dive into this in the Hebrew, let me just nerd out for a minute because I love original languages. Pasha is the word in Hebrew for, for transgressions. And what does this mean? This Transgressions, it actually means rebellion. It means intentional sin. So this young man was like, I can't get baptized because I actually go back and sin again. And I'm purposely, like, I'll actually go back into it. And so, so many people feel like, well, I must not be saved or I, must, I certainly don't deserve to be baptized. I shouldn't even be called a Christian because I go back and intentionally sin and I intentionally rebel. Like, have you ever been in that place, Christian, where you're a Christian, but you keep choosing sin? Like, you intentionally choose sin. Do you know that Jesus died for that too? Not just your state of sin, but it says he was pierced for your rebellion, your intentional sin. Your intentional sin is not more powerful than the cross. Because so many Christians are living in the shame that they keep like pigs going back to the pigsty and rolling around and saying, so I must, I must you know, not deserve it. And God's saying, no, I actually gave my son for that too. Amen. I knew you'd do that and I... I died for that too. And you can't out my cross. Now, this, you're not even going to hear this preached much because it's dangerous to be preached, what I'm going to say next. But this, it's here. It's in the book. It's in the Hebrew. Aeon is the word for iniquities. And so oftentimes in a religion, we're, you know, we're, we're, just, we're trying to scare people into, into, into staying on the straight and narrow. And, and you know me, I do not want you to sin. Like, I want you to run after Jesus with all your heart. I want you to be free. But I do need you to know this, that iniquities actually means perversity and depravity. And, and, and they're Christians doing perverse things and choosing depravity. Do you know that Jesus was crushed for that too? Because some people are like, well, you don't know what I've done. Like, I, I get it. Yeah, Jesus died for everyone, but I have done. I, I, I've chosen, even after I'm saved, I've chosen depravity. I've chosen perversity. And the Bible says that he was pierced and crushed for that as well. No matter how shameful your sin is, the cross is more powerful. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So stop letting the enemy tell you that you're not forgiven, that you're not worthy. Just tell him, I know I'm not worthy. But he makes me worthy because of what he did, not because of what I do. So stop believing the enemy. When you confess that Jesus is Lord, you choose to believe in him. You are saved once and for all. And not just that, Colossians 2.15, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. The, the, the cross actually defeats all the demonic forces that come against you. 
too many people say, man, I'm, I'm hearing voices in my head. They're telling me to cut myself. They're telling me to kill myself. They're telling me to, to do this. They're, I, I'm, I'm afflicted. I can't get rid of these nagging thoughts that are over and over and over again, telling me how I'm unworthy and, and how I'm, I'm inadequate and I'm a loser. And can I just tell you, demons are real. Like demons are real. Uh, we're going to see that more in scripture in a minute. And Jesus has defeated every single one of them. And so if you're being afflicted, it's time to apply the blood of Jesus and the power of the cross of Christ who overcomes every single demonic force in the world. You have unconditional victory because of what Jesus has done for you. There is no demon that can stand against you. That's why we have our Freedom Day, which we'll have in October, because there is no demon that you cannot be freed from. So I'm loving talking about personal victory, but this is even more fun for me is talking about point number two, we, the people of God, have unconditional victory. Yeah, personal victory, but we have corporate victory through what Jesus has done. So we're going to read a very common scripture that I'm sure you meditate on every day about the woman, the red dragon, and the child. That was a joke. And a great sign appeared in heaven. So we've moved further into the book of Revelation, and this is going to be prophetic language painting a picture that is actually a reality. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And a sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads seven diadems. Now, this is prophetic language, but this is talking about a reality. Who is that woman? Scholars agree that that woman is, is two different things. One, it's Israel. We remember this from Joseph's dream in the book of Genesis, this is Israel, who is often seen as a pregnant woman giving birth to the people of God. It's also Mary, in real life, giving birth to Jesus. It's also the church of Jesus Christ. And then who is the dragon? The dragon, it's going to explain it in this text, is Satan. So let's keep reading. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to earth. What does that mean? What we know is that when Satan rose himself up against God, that one third of the angels were cast down with him. So that stars is actually angels and they are cast down and that is why they're demons. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. Who is the one person in the history of the universe that will rule all nations? Jesus. Exactly, it's Jesus. But her child was caught up to God and his throne, and the woman fled into the wilderness where she was placed, uh, prepared by God, in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Now a war arose in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. So Michael is the archangel. He's fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great angel was thrown down, the ancient serpent who is called the devil 
And Satan, the deceiver, who the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with them. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ has come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night. If you feel beat up day and night, it's because there is a devil who's known as the accuser of the brethren who is always coming after you. But you have unconditional victory. Why? Because he is thrown down. Listen to this next part. This is the great news for you. And they, that's you, have conquered him. That's Satan. By the blood of the lamb, that's Jesus. And by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives unto death. Therefore, rejoice. Say rejoice. rejoice. Say rejoice. rejoice. Oh, heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. Satan, what we know from the Bible, reading through the Old Testament, is he was the most beautiful of angels. His name was Lucifer. And he said, I want the same worship that God has. In fact, I want even more. And so what does scripture say? That he is thrown down to earth. So many people have a hard time believing in God on earth because they say, I look around and why are such bad things happening to good people? Why did this happen to that child? And this to that grandma? And this to that sweet person? How? How could God let that? I want to tell you, it's not God. Satan was thrown down to the earth. And scripture is very clear. Ephesians 2, he's the ruler of the kingdom of the air. He's ruling over for a season. He is the prince of this earth. And the Bible says in John 10 that he came only to steal, kill, and destroy. Why do bad things happen to good people? Because there is a real Satan. Stop blaming God for what the devil's doing. God is good. He wants good things for his children. And for a while, did you see what it said? It said this, he knows that his time is short. Christian, you got to keep reading the book. So many of us, we get caught in our grief. We get caught in, in hard things like miscarriages. And then we say, "That's I'm done. And I shut the book. We get caught in hard things like cancer. We get caught in hard things like persecution. I do not like persecution. And so we're like, I'm done. I just went out. It's too hard. We get, we get caught in our divorces. We get caught in our breakups. We get caught in our bankruptcy. And we're like, I'm just shutting the book and I'm walking off. Do you know who you're walking off to? You're walking right in the hands of Satan. Stop. Stop, stop reading the book. Read the book. Because his time is short. The devil's time is short. You have unconditional victory. He, God saves you. He, he takes your grief. He takes your sorrow. He takes your transgressions. He takes your iniquity. He beats the demonic forces. In the end, it turns out good for you. Trying. She gave birth to a male child who will rule the nations. So many times we, we freak out as Christians. I am looking so forward to the day where Christians watch Fox News and don't freak out. I, I, I'm looking so forward to the day where people 
or say whatever your news source is, and we stop for you. I can't, can you, I, if I have heard it said one time, I've heard it said a million times, can you believe what's going on? I'm like, yes, it's in the book. This is just what Jesus said would happen. Right, but can you believe that Russia's about to invade China and, and Iran? And can you believe that people are persecuting Christians? I'm like, yes, because this is happening just like Jesus said. Matthew 24. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes. Boy, are there earthquakes. In various places, all these are the beginning of birth pains. Then and I don't like this part, then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death and you'll be hated by all nations because of me. Can you believe what's happening in our generation? Yes! Because this is what Jesus said would happen. At that time, many will turn away from their faith. Can you believe that person walked away? Yes. I don't want them to, but yes. And will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Then this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Your job is don't be alarmed. Instead, share the gospel. Stop being alarmed. Share the gospel. It's just happening, like Jesus said. It's only happening just as Jesus said. So you got to see this last part. Revelation 13, 7 through 8 says this. And the beast was allowed to wage war. Did you see that? Allowed. Al what's happening to you? It's allowed, but it's not more than you can handle. And the beast was allowed to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And he was given authority to rule over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all the people who belong to the world worship the beast. They are the ones whose names are not written in the book of life that belongs. There's a book of life. And it belongs to the lamb who was slaughtered before the world was made. He is the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. Okay, so sometimes Christians think, okay, God is good. He made man and woman, put them in the garden, and then they sinned. And God was like, oh, snap. <laughs> they blew it. Ah, oh, now what do I do? Okay, I got it. I'm going to kill a lamb and cover them. Oh, and then, you know, that lamb's going to become Jesus, and then he'll take it. No, 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 no. Before light and darkness before the ocean and the mountains was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. It was already planned. It's always been set, and it will be victorious. There was no mistake. Jesus was slain before the foundations of the world. It was always God's plan, and you have unconditional victory. Sin did not take God by surprise. Wars, they're not taking God by surprise. Earthquakes, they're not taking him by surprise. Your problems are not taking God by surprise. And in the end, look what happens. This is awesome. Revelation 19. This is towards the end of the book, almost to the last chapter. 
After this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting. Guys, the stadium is full. Guys, it's not just a few because we're on a losing team. No, it says a great multitude. In fact, in other places, it says a great multitude that no one can count. In fact, in other places, it says a great multitude from every kindred, nation, tribe, and tongue. Not just in America, not just in the West, not just down in South America, but every nation. The hardest nations, there's people standing around the throne of God saying, hallelujah. Watch, I'll read it. It's in the book. I'm not making this up. Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God for true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged. This is the true avengers. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. Everything done wrong to you will be avenged. There is a righteous judgment coming. There is a time where the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords puts everything right in its place. Oh, I've been waiting for years for you to do that. And again, they shouted, hallelujah. The smoke goes up from her forever and ever. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who was seated on the throne. God is on the throne. And they cried, amen, hallelujah. Then a voice came from the heaven from the throne saying, praise our God, all you servants, you who fear him, both great and small. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the sound of rushing waters and loud peals of thunder shouting, hallelujah, for our Lord, God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride, who's the bride? Who's the bride? And the bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear fine linen. stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, write this, blessed, blessed. Can you just say, I'm blessed? I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Are those who were invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. I'm so sorry. I truly am for the pain that you're experiencing today. We experience great pain and great gain, but it's not the end. You are heading to the greatest cosmic celebration in the history of the universe, the wedding supper of the Lamb, where you stand face to face with the one who will wipe away every tear from your face and take away every grief from your heart, and you will be there for eternity. You win. You win. Stand up.